Welcome to Passage to Wonderland, literary passages to complete your day. Greenvale, New York, population 510. It's a whole different world compared to New York City, where 11-year-old Miriam used to live. Her dad lost his job, and now the whole family has moved into a rundown motel in Greenvale as the new owners. In this excerpt from the book No Vacancy by Zipporah Cohen, it's day one at the Jewel Motor Inn, and Miriam is trying to get used to a new life. Dad gives me a pad of paper that says the Jewel Motor Inn at the top, then hands me my own key card for room 109. He punches a hole in the corner and loops a rubber band into it so I can wear it around my wrist. Instead of unpacking or writing to Leica, I lie down on the hard bed and study the stains and cracks on the ceiling, hoping to find one that's in the shape of a rabbit, like in Madeline, my favorite book when I was little. There isn't. I give up and get up to inspect the dresser. It has six drawers. I'm supposed to save two for Sammy's stuff. That leaves four for me, which isn't nearly enough. To make things worse, the top drawer on the left is stuck closed. I'm pulling on it when there's a knock on the open door. Hola! The woman in the doorway is wearing jeans and a t-shirt. A ring of keys and a couple of key cards dangle from one hand. There's a cross on a chain around her neck made of a white stone that sparkles when the sun hits it from the window. It's beautiful, like her. Sorry, I say, giving the drawer one last yank and turning toward her. The motel doesn't open until next week. We just got here. Then you must be the family who bought the jewel. Bienvenida. The words roll one after the other off her tongue. I'm Maria. I'm Miriam. Miriam, she says. Que lindo. I know she's speaking Spanish because I heard it a lot back in the city. But aside from recognizing a couple of words on signs, I don't understand it. What a beautiful name, she says when I just look at her. She explains to me that she works at the motel, cleaning rooms and doing whatever else needs to be done. Dad paid her to stay on while the motel was closed and to keep working here when we took over. Mom walks in through the connecting door and I introduce them. Bienvenida, says Maria as she steps forward to shake Mom's hand. Mom takes a good look at Maria's necklace and rubs her palm. Maria used to work for the old owners and Dad asked her to stay, I tell her. We appreciate that, Mom says. Do you have the key to the storage room? She's speaking a bit more slowly than usual. Which key? asks Maria. The key, Mom repeats, saying the words louder and even slower. Like she thinks Maria is deaf or stupid. To the storage room. Maria inspects her big ring of keys. She takes one off and hands it to my mother. This one's a master. It opens the storage room, the laundry room, the office, just about everything except the guest rooms. I can get a copy made for you later if you want. Mom's face turns pink. She nods, takes the key and heads back into her room. Las llaves, Maria says to me, holding up the rest of the ring. Keys, in Spanish. Las llaves, I repeat. She steps over to my dresser, 
grasps the handle of the stuck drawer and yanks downward on it. It slides open. Bienvenida, Maria says again. Welcome. She winks at me as she turns to leave. I can't help but wink back. Her smile is about the only thing really welcoming about this place. After I unpack my clothes into all four drawers, I go exploring. Sammy trails along until I get frustrated with how slow he is and pick him up. Rooms 101 through 110 are on the first floor. Some of the numbers on the doors have come loose and are upside down, so that room 109 looks like room 106, with the six hanging down like it's going to jump off and run away. There's a vending machine between rooms 102 and 103, partly filled with bags of chips and candy bars. I take an outdoor staircase to the right of room 110, my parents' room, up to the second floor, where rooms 111 to 119 open onto a kind of outdoor hallway balcony. Sammy's getting heavy, so I put him down, and he walk-runs down the strip of carpet between the doors and the cement balcony wall. Me! Me! he says, pounding his little fists on another vending machine, this one filled just with sodas. I lean over the balcony. I can see the diner next door, the one from the ad. Down below is the empty parking lot, the dinky playground, and the trees lining the side of the road that I saw on the drive-in. I hear the swish of trucks as they fly by on the highway behind the motel, even though I can't see them. What happened to all the green fields and forests and farms that we drove by on the way here? I thought Greenvale would look more like Central Park. This looks more like my old Playmobil playground set with half the pieces missing. I take Sammy down the stairs at the other end, him babbling at me the whole way about something even I can't understand, and come out right in front of reception. Dad's at the computer and barely looks up when the bell jingles. I ignore the gross couches and the door to the pool. At the back of the room, a flight of stairs, this one indoors, goes up to the dining room, which is where guests get free breakfast. Next to the stairs is a small elevator. Sammy gets excited when he sees it, but there are no buttons, just a place for a key. Service elevator, the sign on it says. The dining room is pretty cool. Lots of small tables and chairs in the middle, with ice and juice machines against one wall, labeled ice and orange and apple. Everything is labeled here. There are two giant thermoses, coffee and hot water, a big toaster that can fit six pieces of bread at once, and best of all, a waffle maker labeled waffles, in case it wasn't obvious. I try to imagine how the room will look next week, filled with people talking and forks clinking and the smell of waffles and syrup. Dwink, says Sammy. I take a paper cup from the stack next to the juice machine and press the button for apple. Nothing but rusty-looking water comes out, which I won't give him, which makes him cry. I'm saved by a packet of crackers I find on the counter. So, 19 rooms minus one for my parents and one for me and Sammy means 17 rooms for customers, guests, I'm supposed to call them. The idea, apparently, is that mom and dad will run this place for a couple of years, and since we don't have to pay rent, they'll be able to save enough to sell the motel and buy a house. A house with real bedrooms and a backyard, close enough to Manhattan that mom and dad can work there and I can still see my friends. The Jewel's old owners, the ones who left, had to move across the country when the man's mom got sick. So dad said they sold him the motel at a good price. He told mom it needed some minor sprucing up, 
but he didn't think it was anything we couldn't handle. Miwam! Sammy pulls at my leg. I pretend chase him and he toddles away from me as fast as his little legs can go, giggling and leaving a trail of crumbs across the scratched-up floor. He heads right toward a broken chair in the corner, with sharp screws sticking out the sides, so I scoop him up again. This place needs some major sprucing up. Dad said there weren't a lot of options after he lost his job, and he always wanted to live in a small town anyway. Somehow he got Mom to agree to try this for two years. Two years? I don't think we're going to last two weeks. What's that saying? When life throws you lemons, you make lemonade. That goes for children, too. Sometimes we forget about their resilience and resourcefulness. Miriam learns to rebuild her life, but then needs a miracle to save it. Today's passage was from No Vacancy by Tsipora Cohen, published by House of Anansi Press. Thank you for listening to Passage to Wonderland. Until next time, rest easy.